I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Alex Szymanski. Alex is a 19-year-old leader, athlete, and Catholic. I met Alex about four years ago while coaching a high school rowing club in New Hampshire. Because of me, he performed many burpees. During this conversation, we discuss the importance of sharing experiences with others, why he doesn't fear death, and why respect is the cornerstone of leadership. Before I talk more about Alex, uh, I want to talk about my long-form Sundays posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical schools from the very first anatomy lab down in Tampa, Florida, to now uh, about to submit my residency program applications uh, while I'm up here in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. So uh, you can find all these reflections in their full length uh, at mnmwod.com. That's mnmwod.com. Or you can just type in into your browser eugenehkim. Uh, it'll take you there anyway. And uh, you can also find these reflections collected into paperback or Kindle uh, uh, books available on Amazon. Uh, if you search in physician education, I publish it on, under the title of On the Education of Physician. And uh, I'm working on volume four now. And so uh, on September 3rd, 2018, I published on Quick Reflections or Inpatient Psych, a Postmortem. I reflected on the end of adult inpatient psych, a lovely weekend with family, and the bumpy road ahead. Then on September 9th, uh, I published on a good week or the beginning of child and adolescent psych. I reflect on the new rotation, separation from my partner, and a lovely date night. Again, just type in uh, mnmwad.com, eugenehkim, or uh, physician education into Amazon to find your way over to all that stuff. It's great stuff, I think, at least. Otherwise, I hope, I hope you agree, because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this. So back to Alex. Alex is a role model, a leader, a good friend, and an athlete. Before Alex dies, he wants to have an impact to serve his community, good relationships, and a family that, care about, that cares about him, and that he has done everything he wanted to do. When Alex dies, he wants to take that last breath and know he lived a well-lived life. Oh, know he lived a life well-lived. After Alex dies, he wants to be remembered for the merits of his actions. And in conclusion, Alex says, every decision we make is your decision, and every action we take is your own. Don't be stupid. I do believe that is one of the better pieces of advice I've ever been given, because if we are smart and we think about what we're going to do, we will seldom find ourselves in a hard place. It's good stuff, Alex. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I met Alex while coaching crew, uh, a crew team, Great Bay Rowing Club, up in New Hampshire. Uh, this was while I was uh, studying for the MCAT and doing the uh, medical school applications. Um, and, you know, when I had initially gotten waitlisted from uh, med schools, I was like, oh, that means I can, that's pretty, that's not terrible because uh, if I don't get in, because then I can go coach. And uh, uh, part of it was being, it was really, would be to ramp up my responsibilities at this uh, rowing club. But uh, it ended up not being so. And uh, I left and uh, he's graduated out of the program. And then, you know, he's in college, he's uh, on a swim team. And uh, it's just really good stuff to see um, how he's grown and who he's kind of growing into um, since I knew him when he was a very squishy teenager. I mean, he still is technically a teenager now, but you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, so we talk, we dig into some good stuff uh, during this conversation, like the difference between a role model and a leader. Um, we talk about um, 
some of the things that I did as a coach. Um, we talk about respect and how that was for him very uh, fundamental for, um, or like something that he learned from me as a coach, just like how, like why that is important for, for to, to have respect in a leader position leadership position. Uh, we also talked about um, him as an RA for his, uh, 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 for his university and how that kind of puts him in an interesting p position for it to be a leader, but to also um, have to respect uh, the people that he is uh, serving, the, uh, the residents. Uh, we talked about his Catholic faith. He's going to a Catholic university down in D.C. And uh, just how that uh, kind of it's, it's it seems like a great environment for him. He's really thriving in it. And uh, I'll give some uh, links to the in the show notes, uh, such as to Friends Forever. It is uh, an organization based in uh, uh, New Hampshire. And uh, we talk about it during the interview. It's a uh, it's a pretty cool. It's pretty cool. They like line up uh, people, the youth from uh, both sides of uh, different arguments um, and try to bring them together so that they grow up, uh, you know, uh, understanding who the other side is rather than being to totally sequestered in from it. So it's a really cool program. So you should check it out in the show notes. Um, and uh, I hope you don't mind me talking. I hope that you, uh, you're ready to hear Alex Mansky on death. It is September 9th, 2018. I'm sitting here in my Coopersburg home and Alex Zemanski is sitting in his Washington DC dorm. And we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Alex, what are the four prompts? Uh, the four prompts are I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt? I am. Um, I consider myself to be a role model and a leader. And I try to live my life in a way that I would be proud of if I saw someone else doing it. I try and live my life in a way that I am proud to show my siblings and those who look up to me. Um, it's just, I think what I am striving to do now is to live my life in a way that shows good character and is a resource for those that might need it. Um, I try and live as selflessly as possible. Gotcha. So, uh, like role model and leader can are almost synonymous. Like they have in a lot of people, they can be like very similar terms. And I want to know uh, to you, what is the difference between the two? Um, I think a leader is someone who has the strength to guide others. And the, and the ability to show people who might not be able to see the path for themselves. Um, and I think a good leader is a role model, mm -hmm. but I don't think every leader is a role model. Because um, a role model is someone who exemplifies like the virtue and traits that everyone should have. Like they serve, they uh, are kind, they think about others, like they use their position to try and show others the best way to live, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to know if there is, um, is there a reason why leadership and role modeling is important to you, whether you've had good or poor examples of either that kind of stimulate you, uh, like a desire in you to be a good one? Um, I definitely think that it's the leaders and role models that I have had that have, that make me want to be the person that I'm trying to be. 
um, because I just have really appreciated the people in my life that have showed me those ways, you know, mm -hmm. um, and have shown me like what it means to be a leader and what it means to be like the shepherd to those that are following you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want to be able to give to someone else what they gave to me. I see. And what, can you give any specific examples or stories of someone that uh, inspired you or gave something to you? Um, I mean, last year, uh, I'm part of a student organization on campus called Program Board, and uh, we plan a lot of events for students, um, like our concerts and weekly little small events that could be like a paint night or like make your own guacamole or stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. good college stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Good fun college stuff. And, uh, our president last year, he graduated and he, uh, I think he really sh showed me like a new way to think about leadership because, uh, our board, it does a lot of things. It's, it's every other college campus that has a program board. It's a paid position and our school, it's all volunteer. So it's, there's a lot of work involved and he showed me that it's possible to do work like that. And it's possible to have all these people looking up to you without just, without being detached almost. Um, he was always there with us there to support us, even though he had bigger things to do. Like he, he, he wasn't above uh, helping us sweep up after an event or put up tables or set out chairs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He, he showed us that like, yes, I'm the leader, but I'm also like your peer, you know? Mm -hmm. um, um, that's just one example. And then, I mean, another example is you. You were a great uh, role model and Thank leader. You. you did a great job. And I think it was a, a time in my life when you're, there's multiple ways people can go. And it, it's, you showed me that, like, the whole, like, patience and strength thing, you know? Like, that's important to me like to this day and i thought that you're you were a great role model of those things um and like, not not to toot my own horn yeah. but like, <laughs> what what specifically did i do that has left uh an impression on you that lasts to this day um just the fact that you i really appreciate and i try and exemplify this whenever i have a leadership role is the fact that you always respected us and that was why we gave you respect. You like gave us the most respect. That's how it felt. Mm -hmm. And it, through that, it, we were able to respect you. And then once we had that mutual respect, we could have fun together, you know? Cause like when you showed up, you were very like, this is how things are going to happen, but you were never like, you were always respectful about it. And then once that respect had been established, then we had such an awesome time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it's very interesting. Like, um, I really, I do very look fondly back on that time when I was a coach and like had those like couple of years of just like being like, let's, I can kind of do whatever I want, and it's <laughs> yeah, great. yeah. Um, and that said, yeah, that is something that I really focused on was like making sure that I um, respected your autonomy as athletes and as humans because it is, um, it is very hard, especially when you're like an adult coaching uh, like high schoolers to like put yourself in a very different category. And um, yeah, I think that's very important to just be very aware of and how that mm -hmm. lands on people too. Yeah, because we were, I think I was what, like 16 years old and 
you showed up and you were like, you treated me with respect. Like you didn't have to, like, <laughs> but you did. So I guess, um, one, I guess like what, uh, like in what way did I, did, like, I'm, I'm also very curious, like in what way did yeah. you notice that I treated you with respect? You always listened. Like you never discounted anyone and you always appreciated everyone. And you were like, you guys, you were always so excited for us. I could see that you cared and that you respected us as athletes and individuals. Like it was, you were like, we're going to do this really cool thing and it's going to suck, but <laughs> it's going to make you better. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I always just, uh, I look back on it and some of like the hardest practices we had were the ones that you loved the most. And it was because you like respected us and really truly wanted us to get better. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I can remember like how excited you would get when we were doing those, like the, uh, the sled pulls or like <laughs> anything like that. Like the sled pulls always stand out to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a lot of fun with those sleds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then what, um, like, I guess, have you had examples of poor leadership or role modeling? <sighs> um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I can think of any specific ones off the top of my head, but I think I have had poor uh, leadership examples in the past as like, um, it's like in the opposite way, it's more the leadership without respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you have someone in a position of power that uh, doesn't respect the people that they're leading, mm-hmm because then you end up in this scenario where then they will not respect their leader or their role model. Mm -hmm. And then you have a disconnect. Um, And through that disconnect is where you'll find a lot of problems arise. Um, I think that is something that I see here at my school with uh, residence life. Sometimes Um, there are certain rules or things that people don't respect and it's hard. It, it, the rules make it feel as though we are not respecting that our residents are adults in the choices they make. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a visitation. We have a, because we're at the Catholic University of America, we have a single sex housing. Mm-hmm. And um, that means that we also have a curfew uh, for visitation. So if you don't live in the building on weekdays, you must be out by midnight and on weekends it's 2 a.m. Uh, and this is a rule that is widely broken because um, <laughs> we're a bunch of 18 to 21 year olds living together. Mm-hmm. And I say more like, <laughs> and so I think that because that rule makes it feel as though we do not respect the residents, it makes it hard for them to respect us. And mm-hmm. with this one rule, I believe that it creates a environment where they feel as though more rules can be broken. Um, And that's something that I'm struggling with and trying to figure out how I want to bridge that with my residents and Mm -hmm. make that a better environment so that we can still maintain that respect and I can still be a resource to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a a very interesting, like uh, 
to be put in that position where there are like you're you're not you don't get to have a sandbox and play and do whatever you want it's like you are very much within a specific organization that has rules and values that some you might agree with some you might not and being able to like still function in a leadership capacity that in that kind of an environment is uh is quite the learning experience yeah yeah i this is definitely going to be a big year of growth for me just from this one job alone Gotcha. Um, and so we've dug a lot into uh, you as a role model and as a leader, I think. And uh, I want to know if you had a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood. Uh, yeah, I, I've raised from Catholic and just, I'm still practicing. What? Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I go to Catholic University. I go to mass on Sundays. <laughs> Yeah. Is yeah. This, so, has, what was what? How um, is has there been like a narrative arc to your relationship with Catholicism? Like, did you have you always been there, and uh, then you kind of fell out of it, and then you kind of come back into it now, or is it? Is this are you still kind of figuring out what your relationship is with Catholicism? Um, I mean, I think now I have it mostly figured out. So, for me, I feel like as a child, like you don't really you don't really choose your religion it's like your what your parents do and you just do that because you don't know any better um and so you're not really in the faith like you're it's more like you're going through the motions Mm -hmm. um and then like probably when you get to around high school or when you're making your first or you're not your first your uh, confirmation that's really when you choose that's like when i felt like i was like all right this is my choice like is this my faith or not? Um, and like going to like a public high school, it was kind of weird. Always, it was kind of always weird being Catholic because no one else. You don't really like talk about it just because public school. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about it. Um, but I, I definitely felt like it was something that was important to me, and it, it meant a lot to me. So I that I think that was when I would say I was a practicing Catholic, like starting then. Mm-hmm. Um, and now being here, it's really easy to be Catholic and it's a big part of my life now. Yeah. And so, uh, cause uh, like in uh, Lee, New Hampshire, where we grew up, there are a number of Catholics, but yeah. it is by and large, I, I think a, a Protestant Christian area. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's a lot more of like protestant uh, yeah and and like there i knew i could remember a number of catholic people that i, I grew up with uh but mm-hmm. like you know they were definitely the exception uh versus mm-hmm. like the kind of like oh the christian sort of uh going to church on sundays kind of thing yeah uh, and how has that been different to go from you know where your community was just your church but like the people that you went to school with were had uh you know different values um but not maybe not that different but now you're in yeah a Catholic university surrounded by like-minded individuals. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. Like you go to, <laughs> I, my favorite, my favorite mass to go to is a, it's a nine o'clock student mass in our student chapel on campus. And um, it's really casual. Like it's not, we have the national basilica of like, it's the basilica of the Immaculate Conception. If you look it up, it's gorgeous. It's the largest church in the North American continent. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's like on our campus basically, and it's gorgeous. Um, and going to mass there is awesome, but there's something nice about going to this smaller chapel where 
at the nine o'clock mass on Sunday nights, it's standing room only and it's all college kids. Like think of that. That's just like a weird, like before coming here, I never thought I would see that. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like everybody being there together and like something our, one of our priests here always says is it's not like the church isn't the priests, the church isn't the building, the church is like the people and like our celebration of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and like being there with everyone and like the listening to everyone singing together and like praying together and just being together is something that I love. And like, I'll go, I might just go like by myself and just sit there and just, it gives me a chance to decompress. And that's something that I never really felt like I got from my faith before coming here. Mm. So uh, this, it sounds like it's a very, like this, this experience going to this Catholic university has really strengthened your relationship with your faith. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, we can dig into this later, but it's just very interesting to like, um, like to have like-minded individuals and like, what are those conversations like? What are your relationships like? Do you feel like it has uh, like being of a shared Catholic faith? Does that change the way you interact with some of your peers? Um. No, uh, it's more like, cause I, I, I feel like I always tried to act the same way, except now I don't have, I feel like I can openly acknowledge my faith, mm. you know, mm -hmm. whereas before it wasn't, it was never something I like was ashamed of or something I tried to hide, but before I wouldn't necessarily bring it up with people. Gotcha. And like, even now I, I'm not like trying to, put it out there and put it in people's faces if they're if they don't if they're not catholic or anything because that's not the way to be but um now i just feel like i don't have to tiptoe around it i guess mm -hmm. yeah it's um something that like what i experienced when i got into medical school was just like mm -hmm. understanding that like the people that are in my medical school class are all all of them are wildly intelligent humans and so any person that I talk to, they might not be smart the same way that I am, but they are a, of a caliber of intelligence that is different than anyone else that I met. And yeah. that was just such an interesting screening thing. Like it was just like understanding, like, oh, everyone here is smart. That's really cool. Versus, you know, and yeah. like I imagine for you, it's just uh, going to the to Catholic university. It's like everyone's Catholic and everyone shares the faith, and that's cool. It's just it's just like an interesting like oh we we we're just all kind of like in the same pot right now. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about um, you as a role model, you as a leader, and we talked uh, a bit about your Catholic faith. Um, what else? Uh, how else do you finish the prompt? I am. I mean, I consider myself a friend, a good friend, a good listener. I mean, my my relationships that I make with other people are very important to me. Um, I'm like a very extroverted person. You you probably could have said that, but uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> um and so to me the relationships i make with people are essential to just my, my existence um i mean that's something that i really do try and like use a lot in my life i guess uh just building really healthy strong relationships with those around me and um I guess why why is this uh, something that gives you so much uh, like why does it rejuvenate you so much uh, I, and like I'm a very introverted person but I have extroverted tendencies um, yeah. like what uh, what what is it about uh, cultivating these relationships and having them be intimate relationships be so important to you? 
Because no experience is meaningful unless it's shared. I mean, that, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can have individual, like, uh, solitary moments that are meaningful and impactful. And I just shared some of mine with my faith. But uh, I think that a lot of the best things in life are better when you share them with people that matter to you. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's as simple as going to the dining hall and sharing a meal with your friends and just like sitting there and laughing and joking, me and my friends, we were watching Jeopardy together on a Tuesday night uh, in our dining hall. And it was just like, it was great because we were sitting there and we'd be laughing at the, the contestants or trying to answer the questions before they did. And it's, it's things like that that really I appreciate. Um, and I think those are, that's why I value like strong relationships like that so much. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Did I explain that well? Um, yes. I feel like it, okay. no, it does. I, the, but my question is, is have there been, um, so like you can define things by positive or negative. And I want to know if you had like, sort of like, you know, you want to be a good leader because you've had good role models and some bad role models. Have you had experiences that you would want, had wanted to share with other people? Because like I, uh, like I traveled to Egypt alone and I backpacked up and down the Nile and I did saw all this really cool stuff. Um, but I was alone for a lot of it. So like that, there was like a weird solitary kind of isolation to these really interesting experiences. And did, is that sort of um, part of why, or is, have you always just like, really enjoyed being able to share those experiences i mean i've always really really enjoyed it and i've always really enjoyed having other people in my life i think it's also because i i'm of a mindset where i think no one person can be stronger than the group Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like that that rowing thing like we always used to say your boat is only as fast as your slowest rower right Mm -hmm. so it's 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 about motivating each other to be better um and I think that's part of why, why rowing really spoke to me because it was that, that it was the most quintessential team sport, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There's no sport that is more of a team sport than rowing. I mean, I, I'll argue that with anyone. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that your experience, like backpacking up and down the Nile, is no less impactful or as meaningful. And I think... I mean, I'm just like pontificating here, but like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably awesome and is an irreplaceable experience for you. Um, it just would have been different if you had shared it with others. Mm. It, it has a different impact. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like for, uh, doing that trip alone was probably more meditative and was more about self-discovery, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, if you'd had it with other people, it, it, would have had a different feeling. And so I think they're both important. I just like to fill my life with the ones that I share. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think that's the only way to live. I just think that for me, that experiences are more meaningful when shared. That makes sense. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. It was a good, it was, okay, uh, yeah. it was good. It was, it was a tough question. So yeah, I think yeah. You, you know, did yourself well. Uh, so you're a role model, a leader, uh, a good friend. Is there something else on that list? I'm an athlete. I'm a student. Talk about your them. talk about yeah. athlete. I'm uh, very I'm because you have this you have a very diverse background. Um, so tell me a little bit about it. I mean, uh, when I was like a kid, I did the whole like play a bunch of sports thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like soccer and baseball. Uh, us 
and um, really liked those. But when I got to about early high school, I started swimming and uh, rowing. And those were things that I was better at and I enjoyed more. They helped me make really good relationships. Um, and I think that athletics have really impacted who I am because it's, it's one of those things where you put in a lot of work and you get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just show up, not try and still do well. You like, it's really nice to have something where it's easy to see the relationship between your work and your reward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think rowing really helped me to cultivate my ability to work well with others. Um, I feel like that has been the most impactful sport, even though I am swimming in college and maybe rowing. We're not sure yet. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, it, it, it's something that I've always really loved. It's been something that has been a constant. I've always felt like no matter how stressful your day is or how messed up everything ha- was or you got a bad grade, uh, you got in a fight with your parents, whatever it was, you could always go to practice or whatever and none of that mattered. Um, it gave you a chance to recharge and clear the slate, you know, um, with people that were just as excited about working hard and just getting better. Um, I feel like that's something you don't always see. I feel like sometimes there are people in your life that are not excited about working hard or are willing to just kind of sit back. Um, and so I really always have enjoyed being with people that want to work hard. Mm-hmm. And um, tell me a little bit about you uh, as a collegiate swimmer. I mean, so collegiate athletics is a whole nother, it's a whole nother sphere. Like it's, it's competitive, but here at the, I'm at a, at a D3 mm-hmm. level. Um, and I really appreciate D3 because it's competitive. It's hard work. You're surrounded by people that love the sport and are dedicated to it. Um, but you're also a student and the person. You're not just an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my best friends come from my swim team, but I also am able to be involved in other things. Um, and something that I was prepared for um but still wasn't easy was the fact that on this team i'm nowhere near the best um and coming from little lee new hampshire where my team was not as big or as diverse uh i was one of the better people um and so i have had to accept the fact that i'm doing this for myself and although I might not be able to make an impact on the scoreboard for my team, I'm making an impact in supporting my fellow athlete, mm-hmm. you know, cause when I came here, I was like, Oh man, I'm not going to even be able to help my team at all. Like I'm useless. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there's more to it. And I think college athletics have really helped me learn that, that even if you're not, helping in the way that you might think is the way like 
let me let me rephrase that. Even though you might think there's only one way to add something, mm-hmm. everyone brings something different. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a, a lesson that I've really taken out of it. I mean, it's been two years, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I uh like along those lines, I was a very mediocre rower and I oh hey honey, I have my I have a dog. Uh, and she's kind of wandering over here. She might look, come over for some kisses. But uh, anyway, okay. so I, uh, I rode in college for all four years. And I was very proud of that, being a varsity rower. And that means a lot to the people that know what it means, you know, like, to, yeah. like what yeah. does it require to uh, be on the varsity team. But I was a very mediocre rower. And um, my ability, the reason why I was elected to captain wasn't because I was the fastest rower. It was because I did a good job of managing the morale of the team. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that I did a great job of retaining freshmen, you know, during my junior senior year so that when I left, there was like a strong, robust men's program when there was a very weak, very weak program where uh, like it was me and three dudes that stayed on from my freshman year to, to senior wow. You know, and then when I when I was going out as a senior, there was like 30 dudes on the team, 30 novices. It was just like really, really lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, yeah, that, there are many ways that you contribute to the team and being aware of that is, is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honey, honey. Oh gosh. Oh no. She's coming. Oh <laughs> yeah. She's a big sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and she just wants to love right now. So, um, we talked about you as a role model, a leader, a Catholic, uh, a Catholic and as a good friend and an athlete. Um, do you want to start talking about before you die? Sure. Uh, I mean, before I die, I want to make an impact. I want to help people. I, it, it's something that I, I think that's what I'm going for. I want, want to be able to serve my community and help those around me. I want to be a resource. I want to be someone that does something meaningful. Um, I do volunteer work with a nonprofit that's based in Durham. Uh, it's called friends forever. Have you heard of it? Did I I ever say, okay. Um, and basically their goal is to take youth from opposite sides of a conflict and bring them together in the hope that by bringing the youth together, they will help uh the future to go in the right direction towards nonviolence. Mm-hmm. so they have kids from uh the protestant catholic conflict in northern ireland they have kids from the palestine israel conflict um and they have one that's based in africa but i'm forgetting that one off the top of my head it's a smaller program they don't it's not as big as the other two um, and basically they pick these kids, um, it's like six or seven from each side. Uh, and it's a year long program where they, uh, work together and do like team building activities and service. And, uh, there is a two week intensive period that they spend here in the U S like serving the community, going to visit schools, um, and just overall trying to form a relationship that will last. Um, and I think that is a very powerful program. I think that they are doing really good things. It's just 
I, I could see myself working in some sort of capacity like that. But then there's the part of me that's like, you're not going to make money and you're not gonna be able to sustain a lifestyle like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I'm trying to find a way to another uh, path to that kind of service. So that's why I'm trying to do the things I'm trying to do. <laughs> what, um, I guess, um, so when you say I want to have an impact and uh, I want to know what does that mean to you? Because to me, it sounds like a very binary, like uh, up until like August 17th, 2042, Alex Mansky did not make an impact. But then on <laughs> August 13th, you know, like on that day, yeah, yeah. then began to make like what, what would be that binary shift from like not making an impact to making an impact? Um, I think if I can even help one person's life to be better, I'm making an impact. I, do you think that you've already done that? I think I've done it on a very smaller scale, like a much smaller scale. Uh, I would hope, but, um, I want to do it on a larger scale and I don't think I will be able to feel fulfilled until I know that I'm doing that. And I think that's why I feel so dedicated and driven sometimes is because I know that this is the path that will help me feel that way. And what is that path? I think being educated and being able to get a job that I can help others. I don't, um, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. It's yeah. okay. It's a yeah. tough train of thought. Um, yeah. you talked a little bit uh, before the interview began about you wanting to uh, attend law school as a public mm-hmm. defender. Um, and yeah. a very admirable goal. Um, it's sort of like joining up med school to join the uh, like Doctors Without Borders. You know, it's just sort of yeah. like, yeah. it's like, that's, you know, good yeah. on you. It's going to be tough. But if you can keep yeah. it up, it'll be really cool. Um, it's just uh, like, what what is it about um, helping others that is so important to you? Like, have w- were there examples of people helping you that have affected you and that sort of lit the fire? Or what, where does it come from? I mean, I think that is a good way to think about it. Like, I, there have been people in my life, like teachers and coaches, that weren't really... Uh, they didn't have to care as much as they did, but they did. And those kind of relationships um, were the more meaningful ones and the ones where they really made a difference in my life. Um, And so I think that that's what I'm trying to do. I wanna be that person that cares. I want someone to be like, yeah, Alex cared, but it's it's not for me, you know. Like, I I want to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we talked about like the impact that you want to have, which I sort of see as like almost like a legacy, but not necessarily one that. And it sounds like you don't necessarily want to be remembered for this legacy, but it'd be cool if you were. Um, what uh, What else do you want before you die? Um, I mean, I think everyone wants to have 
good relationships and a family that cares about them. Do you know uh, what kind, like, do you know what your family would look like? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's, I'm at a weird point in my life to answer that question. I feel like I've got <laughs> I mean, let's embrace, yeah. let's embrace the weirdness without, you know, naming or doing, you know, just uh, because the, the, so I, I date the first thing I say in every interview is the date, because I, I want to make sure that the audience knows that this is a snapshot. Uh, this is not an all-encompassing interview of a person. This is a snapshot. And um, I'm in the process of re-interviewing people to sort of see like the, as how time passes. So I think that if you are in a weird space right now, I think that's valuable to discuss in whatever way you're comfortable talking about so that uh, if we revisit each other uh, to have this, another similar conversation, but to sort of see how this, you know, where the trajectory went is, I think that's important. Yeah, no, I mean, in what I mean by, it's a weird time for me to discuss that is like the future like that mm -hmm. is so far away. Mm -hmm. um, Cause like I, like I have my girlfriend here, but I just, it's not like I regularly think about the future that far out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you were saying, six months yeah. is a very far time for you yeah. to think. Yeah, just just because of all the things that I have going on. Mm -hmm. um, like I've got my calendar up. I've got like one of those whiteboard calendars and has all my days. And like one month is about as far out as I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> just because I feel like if I try and go farther than that, I'll be like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. But um, like in if I'm just going to think about it, in the future, like I want to be happily married probably sorry sorry about that i had laundry um uh, uh and i want to have kids i think that's the goal i want to be happy do you know um yeah. would it be important for you to have adoptive or biological children um i mean i'd like to have biological children but like I, that would be nice, but I don't think adoptive children would be that much different. It's still someone that you're sharing your life with and caring about. Um, you're still teaching and caring for these children, um, trying to give them the best life you can. I, I don't know. I can yeah. tell this is out of yeah. your wheelhouse. Yeah. You <laughs> which is good. They're pushing boundaries. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, when, when will you, like, with what landmarks in your life or milestones will you start to assess that family? Like, will it be when you have the partner? Um, will it be at a certain stage in your career? Like, uh, what, where, like, I guess, where in the, in the totem pole of priorities is family for you to like have your own family? Um, it's important because I think like what I was saying before, uh, that support system in home is like the people that you surround yourself with. Um, they're like the hub. Your your family is like the hub of your support system, right? So like everything kind of leads back to them. Like they're always going to be there for you. Uh, 
And so I think that's really important, especially because of how everyone today is just going, going, going. They're, they're like a nice place where we can kind of just like come back to and just breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I want to make sure that I'm in a, at a place in my life where I can do justice to that job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to make sure that I can provide for those people that would rely on me. Because mm-hmm. if, some, if someone's going to rely on you, you better be able to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or at least have the resources or in the, in the knowledge to reach out for help when you need it. You, you can't just, that's a, to have someone rely on you that heavily is a very big responsibility. So you need to be able to do it well. And if you care about these people, which you will, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you need to do it, you do it right. Do you um? Do you know if you like? I guess it's like, would you want to like if you had the means, would you start a family now? Is is like that's sort of like like what like what uh, what are you waiting for the uh, the financial stability? Is that sort of it? Are you waiting for the person with which to start the family? Like where like where I, I hear that you're you're thinking about it as a very abstract thing, but I want to know like when will it stop to stop being so abstract and become more real to you? Do you have you can you even imagine? I know what you mean. Uh, well, I feel like I'm at a point right now where I'm very as much as I like to say I'm. I try and be as selfless as possible. Mm-hmm. I think college is a, this is going to sound weird, but college is a very selfish time. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's, it's about you. It's about your learning. It's about bettering yourself for the future. Uh, and like you can have amazing relationships with others in college. Um, but it's a time when there's so much growth and so much change. And we're also focused inward because of, we're all trying to look five steps ahead. Um, that right now would not be a good time to have a family. And that's why I'm very impressed with those that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right now is not, is not a, a good time for it. It's, <laughs> You're in a dorm. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those times when you need to focus on yourself. So being, having those people that rely on you isn't uh, copacetic. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Um, what, so you want to have an impact before you die. Uh, what else do you want? Um, I want to feel like that I've done everything that I wanted to do. Like, I want to travel. I want to see cool places. I want to meet cool people. Um, I want to experience everything that life has to offer. I think that life's too short. And we have to live every moment. And I mean, like, live every moment. You know, like, that wasn't an unfinished sentence. I mean, like, really live every moment. Like... I feel like too often we can just kind of 
go through life. Like I catch myself doing it all the time. It's like, all right, just gotta get to the weekend. And so you go, you go through a week and it's like nothing. You didn't live. You just existed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So like, a, like an embodied presence throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we did a lot of training on during it where my uh, resident assistant training about uh, my generation, because I'm like, that weird, this weird gap between like millennials and Gen Z. Um, and, uh, the Gen Z, which is like, I'm like the, the oldest, one of the older parts of it. And like, uh, we're very focused on the moment and like living in the moment. And I see myself doing that, trying to do that a lot. I really think that's important. Um, cause I, we all want to do things that are impactful and we don't want to just have a job. We want to do something we enjoy. And I think that's a good goal. Cause I think it, well, the, the, re, the thing is they say like, we all saw our parents just like try and get jobs and work and make money, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, so we don't want that same kind of lifestyle. That's what the research says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think it's something that like my parents have always tried to, uh, impart on me was just, yes, money is important. No one's ever going to say it's not, but do what makes you happy. Like, it's better to be a poor man that's happy than a rich man that's not. You know? That makes sense. Hello, honey. So um, how do you finish the next prompt when I die? I want. <sighs> um... I don't fear death. Um, I think no one really, I mean, I don't don't know. I I feel like what people fear about death is not death. It's loss. Um, And when I die, I don't want people to feel as though I didn't live the life I wanted to live because I'm hoping that when I die, I will feel fulfilled. Um, so when I die, I want people to remember that. And I want them to remember that I, I lived my life to the fullest. Where do you think your different perspective on death came from? Uh, you know, if you're, if you feel very uh, okay with death and others feel very afraid of it, where do you think that difference comes from? Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, I th- you're trying to get at like, religion here a little bit, right? No, wherever it comes from. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't necessarily think that's, a part of it. I think it's just, um, I personally don't think that death is something that it, it happens. It's a part of everyone's life. It's something that we have to accept. There's nothing we can do to fight it. So I, because of that, I think that it's more important to focus on a life well lived than to fixate on the fact that it's over, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, I mean, the message that a lot of people try and get at in like a eulogy at a funeral. It's not necessarily about 
the fact that they're gone, it's about us remembering the life they lived. Um, so. Is, have there have there been experiences uh, that inform you like in this way? Like, have you um, have there has there been a death where somebody um, didn't live their life well up until that point, and they and they showed regret, or like where like uh, have there, has there been a death that impacted you greatly? Um. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like every death is a little bit different. They all impact us, but um, when my grandfather passed away, it was really hard for all of us and especially hard for my grandmother, obviously. And I just, I feel like sometimes the fact that he's gone is a stronger presence in her life than remembering the time they had together. And that makes me very sad for her because they were married for like 54 years and they dated for like 10 before that oh wow so like they spent the better part of their lives together and sometimes i i feel like she doesn't like she remembers it but she's instead of being remembering the happy times she just feels the the emptiness that Mm. was my grandfather um and again one of my little brother's friends um you might have known you might know this one uh i don't know if i should have them say in the name but one of his friends he had a uh osteosarcoma um and after a really long battle with cancer he passed away and seeing what that did to my brother was really hard because they were, it was one of his best friends. Mm. Um, and Michael was, I don't know, eighth grade. That was hard. That was really hard just to see that. What did you learn through that experience, uh, watching your brother grieve for the death of his friend? There's no easy answer. Um, we're all going to grieve a little bit differently. I, I like literally saw like all the steps of the grief process mm. with Michael, because I said, like we were talking about before, he's all gas, no brakes. So he really wears his emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw them all and I was just, it was really hard for me. Like I was upset because I knew this, little boy also but it was harder for me to see michael that upset you know um and so i think i learned that death is really hard and for some it comes too early but we have to remember who they were and not just that they're no longer here you know, I, I'd rather people think about me and be happy about it than to think about me and be sad because I'm no longer here. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I don't know, selfish. I, I don't want them to be sad about it. <laughs> <laughs>
have you had um have you imagined the moment of your passing of going from life to death and have you had any experiences in your life that might inform you what that would look like or feel like i don't really think i've had any experiences that are like that but i mm -hmm. i think at the end of the day that passage from life to death is just you just it's it's like a, a chapter is ending and you've left behind whatever you left behind and those that are not done continue to live their life and can learn from what you left them um and so i think that dying isn't a bad thing you're just finishing your book you know you're you're just signing off your story um i think that when my grandfather passed we, we visited him in the hospital uh before his passing and he when we said bye to him for the last time he just i remember he told us all with me and my two siblings he's like remember like i love you stay in school like keep working hard um because so that was very important to him like education because he, he didn't go to college he was a welder mm -hmm. um like he worked with metal and uh so like it that he, he felt like that was really important for his sons he really stressed that on them that they all needed to go to school and get an education um, and be more successful than he was. And so I think he just imparted that knowledge on them and wanted to impart it on us. It was the message that he wanted to give. And so I think death brings everything into clarity and you, you were able to give the message that you think is important in mm -hmm. that time i it's doesn't that's not really an answer to your question but it's fine because it's it's <laughs> it's like very similar to the discussion we had about family and uh like you're a little far away from it and you talk about it in a way that is a little that is a little like uh categorical in the way you're thinking about these ideas and i just want like i just uh like have you like when you think about the, the literal act of taking your last breath, have you ever considered that? I think that the best I can answer that is kind of the same as, sorry, there's a spider, one second. Sorry. <laughs> how, uh, how ironic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that the only way that I can answer that question is kind of the way that I was talking about um like the previously in the when I die I want. Mm -hmm. I want um when I die, I think that like the moment of my death, I want to be able to take that last breath and know that I lived a life well lived. That's all. That's all I want, which I don't think will be that hard 
because like I said, I, I don't fear death. Um, I think I'm living my life to the best of my ability. And so because of that, I'm living with minimal regrets. The regrets I have are because sometimes we're, we're all human, so we're stupid and we do stupid things. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I, I, I think at the moment of your last breath, it's important to know that you are at peace with the person that you were. You know? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. just a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a tough thing to talk about. Have you, uh, have you, other than the spider you just killed, have you been <laughs> in the presence of death before? Um, I mean, other than my grandfather, no. Uh, Were you I there when he I died? I was not there when he died. Um, so I guess, no, he was just, so I've never witnessed anyone die. Oh, well, actually that's not true. Um, my senior year or my junior year, I think of high school at a swim meet, a girl was swimming the 50 free and she had a heart condition that she was unaware of and it was the like last chance meet before states Mm -hmm. so she was really exerting herself and pushing herself because she really wanted to qualify and she had a i think it was a well her heart condition was she has a regular heartbeat and so i don't think she had a heart attack i think she just her heart stopped beating and one of the parents who was timing pulled her out of the lane. She had gotten within like two, three feet of the wall at the finish and just stopped. And um, luckily there were people there that like uh, um, a lot of the parents on our team were medical professionals and one of the lifeguards, all they all worked together and were able to resuscitate this girl. Um, while EMS was on the way. But that's the only time I've experienced that. And that was incredible, but like not like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just beyond words. Mm-hmm. Like, like the literal use of the word awesome. Like it is yeah. full yeah. of awe. Yeah. You're just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think about it that often because it was like a, a little, like a, a blip on the radar of my life. Mm-hmm. But when I do think about it, it's one of those things that you're just, there are no words. Like it, it's, like I said, like it's incredible. The, like the fact that she was gone and they brought her back. It, it it just really brings things into perspective and that's again like why i try to live my best life because we don't know 
Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't know when our time is up. I, if someone asked me, like, if they were like, I can tell you the exact moment when you will die. I don't think I would say yes. Actually, I know I wouldn't say yes. I'd rather just live my life to live it than be constantly looking forward for that, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So now, uh, now let's start talking about afterwards. How do you finish the next prompt? After I die, I want. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I need to leave a legacy. Um, because you're, I, uh, see, I almost feel like that's selfish to live your life in a way that you're hoping people will remember you. Mm -hmm. I don't live my life and I don't do the things that I do so that people will talk about me. I don't do them so that people will think differently of me. I do things because I feel like they're the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do things because I feel like that's the way things should be done. Um, and so after I die, I don't necessarily think I'm doing things so that people will remember me, but if I am remembered for the things that I do, I hope they're, I remember for the merit of my actions, you know, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you happen yeah. to have a legacy, that'd be cool. Uh, as long as it's one that you've earned through work and the, the impact that you've had. Mm -hmm. But it's never my goal. You know, like mm -hmm. if I'm able to do things that are worth remembering, that's good. But I'm not doing those things so I am remembered. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I feel like that's a very like a fine line in that dichotomy. But mm -hmm. you, you get what I'm saying, right? I do. It's like, where is the intent coming from? Where, like, yeah. wh what is your goal in this? Um, I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, have you, um, does your, have you considered what happens or if anything happens after life? Um, I mean, as a Catholic, uh, we have our idea of heaven and a life after death. Um, and that's just kind of something that I don't question. Um, I think about it because how can you not, but, it's an occasional thing. And uh, that's just kind of something I've accepted is like our the Catholic idea of life after death. Um, so uh, for um, somebody that may not know, what is the Catholic idea of life after death? Well, or it's at least uh, your interpretation of it. Oh, well, it, if you have lived a life of virtue, um, it's a eternal life in heaven. Um, with those that are also Catholic in heaven. Well, that, that's actually false. There's a whole thing about that in the study of theology, but I won't get into that. But <laughs> so, so what is in your in your imagination and through informed through your faith? What is this heaven like? What would it look like or feel like? Do you have any idea? I believe it's just being with your loved ones and being together like through god um 
that's I mean it's a very general idea. It's not really something that I have like a oh it's gonna be a a big white house with uh yellow shutters, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I and again I think it for me ties back to the idea that I think that all experiences are better when shared. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the idea of heaven is just being with all of my loved ones. Mm. That makes sense. I dig it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, uh, when I, when I talk about the future, um, what do you imagine? How do you mean? Like, uh, do you, like when you think like, you can think about it in terms of like the people around you, their future, um, you can talk about like earth as a whole, uh, in 10,000 years or like the, not the America in 20,000, like where, like mm-hmm. when you think about the future, how far and wh- around whom do you think? Hmm. When I think about the future. I, I guess, I don't know, like if, I, if I'm really just thinking about the future, I don't really think past the people around me, but when I think about the future on a deeper level, I guess like that, I think that the future of the United States and the future of the world is one that needs to be united and it needs to be kind and it needs to be smart. I tell, this is what I tell my residents, and I think it's the most sound advice that anyone can ever give you is don't be stupid. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, like really, nothing bad should happen to you other than like an act of God if you're not, if, like, if, you're, if you're not stupid, you should be fine, you know? Just think about what you're going to do. Think about what you're going to say. Think about the people that you surround yourself with. You know, like if you're smart about it, you will seldom have problems. And so that's why I think that if we want to advance as a culture, as a people, um, we have to be smart about it and we have to be together on it. Um, Not to get political, but I do think that uh, our polarized ideals in the United States right now are the antithesis of what we want if we want advancement. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you are conservative or liberal or what you believe. Division will never see us through. It's, it's I don't know, like Lincoln said, house divided will not stand. <laughs> the lawyer is coming out. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we've had uh, like about an hour, of, uh, hour and a half of really good, time to talk and uh we haven't talked in a couple of years now and it's really yeah. i think this is I, I had a great time and i hope that yeah. you did too oh i did yeah oh, i'm glad and uh, i want to give you the floor to address the audience directly whoever's listening whether it's you in the future whether it's uh an, like whoever your partner is and their ki- and your kids and they're able to listen and hear what dad thought uh when he was <laughs> in college like all that kind of yeah. stuff or maybe it's just somebody who is struggling and find solace in some of the words that you're saying uh, i would yeah. like to give you the floor um well if i end up listening to this in 10 years uh congratulations if you made it if not uh, i'm sure you're doing something that makes you happy um 
to anyone else that might be listening. Like I said before, every decision we make is your own decision. And every action we take is your own. Don't be stupid. I do believe that that is one of the better pieces of advice I've ever been given. Because if we are smart and we think about what we do, we will seldom find ourselves in a hard place. Um, and I think that what I've talked about today is, in my opinion, the, a good way to go about life. I, don't, I think today people are too focused on what comes next and not what's going on right now. And if we take a minute to smell the roses every once in a while, we'll be a lot happier. That's all. I don't like to think myself better or in a person to give the best advice, but a few little bits here. That's all I've got. Good stuff. <laughs> it's what you got is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. Yes, likewise. This has been Alex Mansky on Death.